Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Realm podcast. Across the month of July, we'll be talking all things performance management, looking at best practices, employer stories, new approaches, and common challenges. So to round off this month in June, and to set us up for next month, we're going to discuss one of the most obvious performance challenges for HR teams and employers everywhere, the topic of managing underperformance. How do we manage an employee who is performing poorly? How can we help? What are our obligations? What are our options? And so on. And to talk to us about this, we're delighted to be joined by Liam Barton, Senior HR Consultant here at Inside HR. Thanks for joining us again, Liam. How are you? Thanks, Owen. I'm very well. Brilliant stuff. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Founder and Managing Director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. Brilliant stuff. And I know this is a topic that we're, we're all quite keen on, so looking forward to the chat here. Um, so look, Mary, I'll come to yourself first. Um, I suppose the, the obvious opening question, and you can give us whatever context you, you think is, is suitable here. But how should we deal with an employee who is performing poorly, Mary? Isn't that the million dollar question, Owen? Um, and it's one that an awful lot of um, managers grapple with on a daily basis. So before I get right into answering that particular question, I think it's worth just thinking about, you know, the whole origin of uh, performance management and particularly the origin of uh, performance management and uh, dismissing poor performers. Okay, so you can go back as far as World War One, believe it or not, when the US military created a merit based rating system to flag and dismiss poor performers. Uh, and in World War Two, um, they went a little bit further and devised a ranking system to identify um, enlisted soldiers with the potential to become officers. And about by the 1940s, you have about 60% of US companies using appraisals, performance improvement processes, um, and all of that to document workers' performance and allocate rewards. And on the flip of that, to dismiss. Um, and all the way through, you can see from World War One all the way through to now, that we're still, I guess, using that kind of merit-based rating system to manage performance improvement processes. So to go back to your question, what can employers do or what can managers do? What can HR teams do? I would be of the view that first and foremost, training your line managers in tackling and dealing with performance management issues is the first step. And to teach people how to do that, you're teaching them how to be proactive and to raise issues early in the process and not to let them 
malinger or carry on or um, have these kind of small little issues that eventually snowball into a major performance issue. So my view would be We've got to rethink it in some ways, don't we? We've got to rethink how we're managing people. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people will be surprised to hear that our thinking around the management of, of people and performance management systems, which I heard rumored years ago in, in HR, was a, an accountant system. And actually, it's, it's a military system. Um, so, you know, maybe we, we want to think about that as the starting point. But I do believe in treating people like adults, talking to them about the things you're not happy about, asking them to make improvements, listening to them to hear what their challenges are or why there are performance issues um, and dealing with people in that way is really important. When you get to the point of documenting systems, you know, once you're documenting performance improvement processes, once you're documenting disciplinary processes and heading down that route, um, you know, it's all very serious. It's all very serious for the employee in question and, and everybody involved is getting stressed. 100% 100% and it's a, it's a huge topic that I'm, I'm almost kind of not surprised that it goes back so far Mary but it's great to, to hear that kind of insight because it's something I, I didn't realise and look it's something we will talk about this month in our podcast or webinars a lot of tenants uh, as part of this topic so it's it's great to it's great to be talking about it now. Um, Liam if I can come to yourself for the kind of worst case scenario Liam we might come back if you know what I mean I'm talking about the, the process of poor performance here. Is poor performance, Liam, a legitimate ground for dismissal? I know it's one of the things Mary touched upon there. Uh, it is, Owen, in, in, in short, um, or it can be. Um, I suppose there's there's two aspects, and, and Mary's kind of alluded to it. There's, I suppose, the probationary aspect, and, and typically within a, a probationary period, you can terminate someone's employment. Um, subject to the caveats of own, I'd say, of you know them being aware of what is expected of them, they've received appropriate training and instruction, um, and there's a general understanding of the standards or targets that are expected of them within the employment, within the probationary period. If we talk about a, a longer term employment relationship, um, poor performance or as defined under the Unfair Dismissal Act, somebody's competency to do the job is a legitimate uh, ground for dismissal. But I, I always would put a few cautionary pieces around that in terms of that's very much subject to fair procedures um, that the employee, like Mary has said, is told they're underperforming and that there's a likelihood as they go through the disciplinary procedure, which would underperformance would expect it to be progressive, um, verbal warning, first written warning, final written warning and, and dismissal. And that there's a reasonable amount of time given to the employee to, to improve. Um, that there's a reasonable level of feedback, that there's a reasonable level of technical support, um, that it's very much not a, a sport, a kangaroo court type scenario where, you know, the employee was selling 30 units a month and then suddenly their target for the following month was 300 units per month. Um, you know, there has to be a reasonable expectation uh, in terms of what it, what is a legitimate performance level for the employee. And I suppose in, in my career, own I've had, 
some scenarios where we'll say an employer might come to me and say, well, Liam, I've given the, 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 the first written warning. When can I issue the final written warning? And when can I potentially dismiss this person? And I suppose the disciplinary process is not really there to dismiss the person. It's actually to help the person improve the, the, the quality of their performance or output. Um, so in short, yes, poor performance or underperformance is a legitimate ground for dismissal. But I would very much caution HR practitioners and, and managers and, and owners in terms of having the foundations in place, which is good practice around setting targets, giving feedback, having meetings, giving support. And one key thing I would say on is giving time, um, giving time to somebody to listen to the feedback, take appropriate training and improve their performance and allowing a reasonable period of time for somebody to address what shortcomings are there. And I think, unfortunately, if we get into um, a, a, a situation where we're potentially dismissing someone, whether that's through the, the probationary period or post-probationary period, and they've been with the company for a number of years, we have to sort of almost go back and say, well, look, culturally, was, culturally, was this person the right fit for the organization? Did the manager give appropriate mentoring and support? Was there a career path? Um, were the targets set reasonable and fair for the employee? Did they get an appropriate period of time to improve? In other words, for, for the organization and the employee, what, what happened? Uh, was it just the wrong, the wrong person in the right organization or the, the right person in the wrong organization or whatever it may be? So I think a fact find like that post uh, ideally pre-dismissal or post-dismissal is very important to ensure that some lessons can be learned um, and, and things can change in the future. 100% and that probation aspect is something we'll actually come back to shortly which is definitely because that's a, it's, it's one that's kind of in the headlines as well I suppose with the, the latest legislation. Um, one thing Mary that Liam mentioned there uh, one of the phrases was improving performance Mary uh, and I'm sure a lot of listeners will have heard about performance improvement plans or PIPs whatever you want to call them um, can you talk to us a little bit more about these? What are they? What are they designed to do? What's the best practice here? Yeah, so it's a pre-disciplinary um, measure owned. So it's when uh, a manager is dissatisfied with an employee's performance and all of their informal steps have failed up until that point. So generally, as Liam was talking about, we would encourage people to, you know, talk one-on-one -on -one with the person that they're managing and, um speak to them about their concerns and, and encourage them to change what they're doing, whether that's, uh, you know, their attitude, their conduct, their behavior. Um, and I, I exclude uh, probation here. So we'll go back to that because Ian is, or Liam is going to talk about that shortly. Um, but I do think when it comes to a performance improvement process or what we might commonly call in, in HR, the PIP, um, you know, that process is predisciplinary uh, and it does have to be documented in that way. The idea of a, a performance improvement process is not to dismiss someone, but it is to genuinely give them the opportunity to improve by establishing and setting very clear metrics, which you expect them to achieve over a defined period of time. So those uh, performance improvement processes can run 
uh, up to three months. And I would say anything beyond three months is excessive and not fair. Um, and anything below a month is not enough and you couldn't possibly have enough time to measure what somebody is doing. So ideally, the performance improvement process will run from somewhere to a month to three months initially. Um, and during that time, there's a weekly meeting with the manager where you're running through the metrics and seeing how people have performed against those particular metrics. But remember, when you're setting them, they must be objective criteria um, that somebody can actually achieve within the time frame that you have set. And, you know, it's important that you think about those uh, metrics, that you agree them with the employee in advance and that everybody is working towards the same goal, which is to help the employee actually improve their performance. You may want to think about what supports or coaching or training you might put in place in tandem with that process. So often, you know, uh, a mentor or a coach uh, can be invaluable and help somebody at that point in time, or, uh, you know, some kind of training or supports from the manager or their peers or somebody else, internal or external to the business. Um, and, your meet those meetings can be uncomfortable. You know, I've done enough of them over the years to understand that for the employee, that's really uncomfortable. They're they're scary for an employee because the employee automatically is thinking the next step is the disciplinary process. Because in fairness to the employee, you have to outline that at some point during the performance improvement process. If if the progress isn't being made, if the improvements aren't being achieved. Um, and so, you know, being fair and reasonable, uh, setting reasonable metrics that people can actually achieve and working with them to help them to, to achieve those is part of that particular process. Where do employers go wrong? Um, generally, it's trying to do it as quickly as they possibly can, having a predetermined view of somebody's performance and whether or not they can or can't achieve what has been set out for them, uh, not giving sufficient time in the meetings uh, where the employee can express how they're feeling or the challenges that they're facing and you not responding to any of the challenges that they're outlining to you. Now, look, we all know there are many messers in life, many, many messers in life, you know, and you can't be sure when you're dealing with, with someone whether they're genuinely unable to do something, uh, whether they're choosing not to do something, uh, whether they have the competence or the qualifications or the skills to do something or what you're asking them to do is reasonable and fair uh, and clear. So there, my, my main tips would be around setting fair goals and help as much as you can possibly do someone to achieve them. Um, that being said, if that doesn't work, um, your very next step at the three-month mark is you progress it 
to the discipline policy. I remember once seeing one of my clients um, with the performance improvement process stretching out for over 12 months. Um, and, you know, the employee being subjected to weekly meetings for over 12 months. At some point, you've got to draw a line and um, take specific action if everything that you're doing uh, isn't working. Um, so there's that balance to be had between a reasonably um, decent process and something that's rushed and harried and, and can later be said to actually not be meaningful. 100% and it's a, it's a, it's a team and a, and a bit of advice I suppose we, we say frequently it's all about the process and, and I suppose keeping the goals in mind and, and the clarity there as well. Um, Salim, probation, um, can you talk to us a little bit I suppose kind of the law best practice around managing performance during probation and I know this is, this is obviously a devil's advocate kind of question Liam is the probation period designed to kind of develop performance, get a sense for people, or is it designed to give employers a bit of an easy way out if somebody's not up to scratch? And I know the answer, but I just want to pose it. Yeah, I mean, it can definitely be used both ways, Owen, um, and employers do use it both ways. I, I think Mary has kind of, you know, clearly outlined a number of, of principles that will work really, really well around um, managing performance or even underperformance during the probationary period. It is so important, Owen, and we come across this all the time at Insight HR. I know Mary has, I know I have, I know the rest of the team have, that there's no surprises, that people know what is expected of them. And, and I think Mary had a lovely phrase, very clear metrics, which are agreed, and that, that there's no ambiguity. And that you don't end up with the employee who thinks they're performing really, really well. And they'll know and behold, they come for their performance review meeting and they're advised they're performing really, really badly. Um, there, there's nothing worse because it, it, it kind of, I suppose, diminishes the integrity and the credibility of the performance management process. So it's so important that you have agreed targets. Um, it's so important that you have, you know, feedback and one-to-one -one meetings. It's so important that the employee and the employer or the manager are on the same page in terms of what is expected of their performance um, at work and that they're given time. And, you know, so many um, managers own uh, struggle with the honest conversation. Uh, one example, I, I can remember having a, a call with a client one time who literally had an employee who was within the probationary period and wasn't performing to a satisfactory standard. And the particular manager came up with three compelling reasons why he couldn't have that honest conversation in the next two to three weeks. One of them involved that the employee was going on, you know, a weekend away that weekend and he didn't want to upset them because they were going away with their family. Something else involved, I think the, the particular employee's partner had changed job and that was a reason why they couldn't have a con an honest conversation. And there was another um, reason which, which I, I, I forget. But, you know, it's so important that there is an honest conversation and that the manager is clear in terms of where the person, where the employee is with regard to their performance, what is expected and how the gap between the expected level of performance and the current level of performance is going to be, um, is going to be closed. So if there's a sort of acceptable or desired level of performance, if there's the current level of performance, how is that gap going to be closed? Is it attitude on behalf of the employee? 
Is it technical skills? Is it encouragement and mentoring from the manager? Is it a tr- for technical skills? Is it training? Is it systems training? What's going to make the difference? Because one of the things I point out, Owen, is, you know, we're currently at 3.8% unemployment in the Republic of Ireland. It is likely we're going to stay below 4% um, if we believe the, the, the predictions in the next two to three years. We currently have a skills shortage in Ireland, um, and that's a pattern that's replicated right around the world. So two things I can assure our, our listeners. One is, if you do have to uh, terminate somebody's employment during the probationary period, um, you're going to struggle to recruit. That's, a, that's an absolute certainty. And the second thing is you're going to be paying a higher quantum for the person who you get to replace the person who you've just terminated. So it's so important culturally that managers are trained in having those honest uh, conversations and they struggle. And very often on what we find at Insight HR is, I know what we'll do. We'll promote the most uh, competent accountant. We'll promote the most competent engineer. Um, We'll promote the most competent person within the manufacturing division. And very often, albeit that they have extremely good technical skills, the people management piece or the empathy and emotional intelligence is not as well defined or is not as not as well developed. So managers really need training, as Mary uh, stated, on how to performance manage, because it's not it's not easy. As Mary Mary is one hundred percent right, having a difficult conversation with an employee who has a mortgage, who has commitments, who has various um, outgoings, um, and who may be worried about their their job. Um, it's not easy and it, it takes a degree of, of substance and, and, and backbone on behalf of the manager to have those difficult conversations, but to, to I suppose, identify a roadmap. Here's where we are. Here's where we want to go there d- together. And this is how we're going to do it. And I think if, if managers take that approach on, um, there's a much better opportunity and it's a much better culture within the organization than I've hired this person. I don't think they're going to work out. Okay, just go back a second. How have you come to the conclusion they're not going to work out? And, you know, what are we doing organizationally and as a support network to improve uh, the likelihood that they are actually going to work out? So let's, let's flip it. I think they're not going to work out. Actually, I think they will work out. And here's what we have to do together. And I think if, if we take that approach, it's much better for the organization in terms of recruitment and retention and making sure that they have the right skill set within the, the organization. 100%. That's such an important point because I suppose the the fear or the, the cost that at the in one situation, even is right, you have a couple of bad days, you have an, a very awkward 45 minutes to an hour or something talking to somebody. But if you don't do it, there might be a surprise which will make them have a much worse day at the end of their probation. And then you're in. You're talking about cost of new hires, that kind of stuff. So it is really important to to get in early as well, Liam, isn't it? Uh, absolutely, Andy. I think you hit the nail on the head. The further you delay that conversation on, the more difficult it is to to write the the performance. Because one one of the things that affects performance is the culture within which that individual employee. You know, what, what's the culture like? What are the people like? What's the environment like? All those um, contributing factors. And I think the sooner you agree targets, the sooner you have those conversations, the better it is for both parties. Because 
in my experience, Owen, and Mary will probably agree, the vast, vast, vast majority of employees want to come to work, want to work hard, want to do their job to a satisfactory standard, standard and be happy at work. Um, employees typically don't want to underperform. And, you know, with, very often with the right support and with the right training and environment, most employees will succeed. Um, there'll always be some that, that won't for, for various reasons. But I think the sooner you have those type of conversations, honest conversations, robust conversations, earthly conversations, the better for all parties. 100%. Not so industrial perfect. conversations, Dolly. <laughs> no, indeed. I, lo- indeed. I love that language. I don't know who is going around quoting industrial conversations because for a while I was like, yeah. what is an industrial conversation? Yeah. And, and later learned that it's um, cursing and using foul language in, in the workplace. So no industrial indeed. conversations. We, we, we don't, uh, they never go well from an employer perspective irrespective of how frustrated somebody is 100 100 look i suppose it's perfect segue to my last question and uh, and i'll come to you both i'll come to yourself mary if you don't mind first um i suppose mary the question i had was how do you prevent poor performance how do you i suppose manage it effectively but really mary you can't make somebody perform but there is things you can do i suppose it's that old phrase you can bring a horse to water but a pencil must be led it was the old joke my dad used to tell so yeah 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 um i think you only need to go back to the 1980s and uh, think about jack welsh uh, from ge um who championed the forced uh, ranking to reward top performers accommodate those in the middle and get rid of those at the bottom um and i really do have a question about how far have we come uh, in real terms when it comes to performance management you do you you will have seen uh, organizations like um, adobe who ended annual performance reviews um you know back in 2012 but and and you're seeing a bit of a movement now where organizations are talking about that continual feedback loop um, instead of that big uh, annual review or that quarterly annual review. But my concern always with those kind of systems is that, you know, managers struggle enough with the one um, review of the year uh, and you know when when it was pushed down to four one a quarter there was you know cries for managers everywhere that the paperwork was creating a problem uh, and interfering with the quality of the conversations that people were able to have then they started to move online and managers now are communicating feedback virtually as well. Um, And actually, in some cases, they're choosing to communicate the feedback virtually without the conversation at all. So if we're serious about performance, you really have to think about what is it actually about? If our managers um, are struggling to have conversations with people because of time and work pressures and challenges and issues around scheduling and getting the job done, et cetera, et cetera, um, and organizations have got flatter. They got flatter around 2000. So that the span of control, the amount of people that managers now manage um, widened 
to some extent. And so the conversations um, that ought to be happening that will take time um, have reduced in many, many environments. Um, and so I think in it, the reality is if we're looking at the future of work, if we're looking at the true um, management of performance, good and bad, that means we have to give managers time back so that they can speak to people and that the conversations aren't about completing paper, aren't about uh, completing online forms or giving feedback uh, online instead of in person um, and that we really look at well, what is the future role of the manager and what do we want performance management to look like in our organisations. Uh, we have scrapped the paper-based process here at Insight HR um, because it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare documenting conversations, uh, particularly if any conversation is contentious, I might add. Whatever chance you have of documenting, you're a wonderful employee and, you know, we want to give you more money and bonuses and prizes and gifts and how can we give you more? Um, there are great conversations to document. But the conversations where you're not happy or satisfied with someone's performance are really difficult. And when when that document goes back to the individual uh, in paper form or online, there's a challenge. There's a challenge uh, about how people view themselves versus how you view them. And so I have found it's so much more pleasurable to have a discussion with my team, and I'm sure you're the same, Liam, it's so mm -hmm. much more pleasurable to have a conversation with the team without having to go off and spend hours afterwards documenting them. But there's pros and cons because we use the performance review forms if we want to downsize and, and we want to um, use them for selection matrices. So we might want to have documents somewhere in the background for those. So it, the, I have always seen, and you will see if you look at the history of uh, performance management, it's really fascinating. And I would encourage people to, to really look at it and think about it. Um, you'll see the difference between good times and bad and the approaches taken by organizations. And when I talk about good times and bad, I'm talking about things like recession versus boom times um, and the approaches that are taken. So as Liam rightly says, in an environment where we we're going to have under 4% unemployment um, for how long, hopefully that will continue uh, for many years to come. We, we can all remember that the misery of the uh, 2008 to 2012. Um, just as a, a reference point, although I think that did go on for others for many more years too. Um, but, you know, in in real terms, we do have to think about how all this looks for the future. How can we do this better? What are our managers to look like in the future? And how are we going to give them time for what arguably are the most important conversations that you can have with people around their performance, particularly those who are struggling, who aren't achieving what it is you want them to achieve um, and who you would like to support to do better. 
too too much of our time is spent on doing exactly what they were doing in World War One, finding ways how to um, reward the good and dismiss the poor performers that we were still doing in the 1980s um, and that many organisations are still doing in 2023. 100%. And I suppose same final question to yourself, Liam, any kind of parting advice? I suppose this is as much about skills more so than systems really Liam, in a sense, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I agree on and I think how do you support the manager um, who, who's responsible for encouraging better performance. And, you know, Mary is right. You know, the manager has never had more responsibility and never had more demands. And so typically they're time poor. And, you know, the review in whatever shape or form it takes, whether that's paper-based or online or or one-to-one face-to-face, will often get pushed down the line. So Mary is absolutely right what as an organization are we looking to achieve? Um, what people within our organization and skill sets do we need to achieve those organizational goals? And how can we empower our employees and our managers to achieve that? And so I think sometimes that, that takes us away from the traditional you know, performance appraisal meeting, which, which Mary has, has discussed, to thinking about, well, you know, how engaged are our people? Um, what do our people want from an or, from our organization? How are we meeting that? Um, what are our managers like? Um, how engaged are our managers? How, how well, in terms of communication skills and empathy and emotional intelligence, are our managers? Um, what if we have managers, and this will happen uh, within our organization, who aren't really people managers, but they're doing that? Um, and how can we reconfigure that, i.e., the people who are responsible for managing people within the organization, can we grow and develop their skill set to make them better people manager, people managers, or should they not be people managing at all? And sometimes for organizations, you need to have those difficult conversations because it's very important that the, the message that's being communicated by the, the people managers, the, the line managers, is what the organization wants in terms of developing their, their people. And, uh, you know, I, I think so many managers own, it, it's incredible. Even those at very, very high levels, very senior, technically gifted, have so much difficulty in having an honest conversation with an employee where they're giving constructive feedback. It's, it's astonishing. So I think we, we do need to talk about having that conversation and having it early on, because I think otherwise, you know, we'll run aground in terms of the performance management piece. 100%. I wonder how um, AI is going to impact in this whole area. So you, you, I mean, AI is um, so groundbreaking in a way that you know maybe managers will be able to use uh, AI to uh, get forms completed and and or or get things documented in a way but AI is never going to replace 
that conversation or I really hope it's not going to replace that conversation. There, there are some, I suppose, uh, spooks out there who are, uh, I think Elon Musk is amongst them who are saying, you know, humanity isn't ready for this. Um, HR and managers might be ready for something that makes the, the burden of completing documents uh, around performance you know, it, it's certainly probably a, an interesting topic that we could do a podcast alone on performance management and AI. If there's any of you out there that are, are using anything brilliant that you think we should hear about, we'd love to hear about it uh, and um, interview you on our podcast. I can think of many people managers who, who would welcome and embrace AI if, if it meant that they could avoid some difficult conversations, Mary. There's no doubt about that. I, I think it is. I, I, I think it is a very interesting space to see how it will develop and what impact it will have on performance management. I think we'll just have to, to wait and see. Yeah, and you you do see um, you know tech firms usually leading uh, leading at the frontier or charging the way through with new technologies, but then sometimes I can be slightly appalled when I when I look and see, gosh, yeah you didn't have any conversation with this person. You just documented it on the system. And yes, the person received your comments. But gosh, if you don't write very well, are you sure they interpreted them as you intended them? Or even if you do write very well, has the person interpreted them as you intended them? Um, now, I know AI uh, is far smarter than that and writes beautifully if you wanted to. Um, but again, it's, it's, it is an interesting area and field of development. I know nothing about it, but it's certainly something I'm curious about uh, how it's going to be built into day-to-day -day HR processes like performance management and performance feedback. Let's see how how this space develops over time. Definitely an interesting one to watch. And I think if there's any going to be any substantial change, overdue change, like you say, Mary, it probably will be, it definitely will be a combination of technology and HR and managers and everyone involved. So definitely an interesting one to uh, one to watch. Um, and great to get your thoughts on on how we've done so far with performance management today. So I really appreciate your time, Liam and Mary. And thank you for a very insightful discussion. I know it'll be one that's well received by our audience because it's, it's a big topic that we've got a lot of requests about. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. And we'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join this, the discussion on our social media channels. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, Get in touch with us today at InsideHR.ie. Thank you, Liam, and thank you, Mary. Thank you, Thanks, Owen. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.